Shop Jermaine Ford of Beaver Creek, minutes away with an experience miles above. Delivering the right car, the right price, the right way. Come see why more are choosing Jermaine Ford. Just off of 35 east of 675, Jermaine Ford of Beaver Creek. Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast with WHIO meteorologist McCall Rydags and Kirsty Zontini, brought to you by Jermaine Ford and Beaver Creek. Remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. How are you doing? Not too bad. Yeah? Yeah. I had a hectic couple of days. You did. You were a busy gal. Yeah, we've had a lot of meetings lately. I feel like I was forgetting a lot of things, (laughs) (laughs) to which will lead into our podcast today. (laughs) It does lead into our podcast because I had to run a little solo by myself, (laughs) but I was just giving you a break because you're going to have to do a few solo podcasts when I'm on maternity leave. Yeah, uh, we were setting up this podcast, which (laughs) both of us are very excited about. Yes. And um, I made contact with the person we were going to interview. I set up graphics for it. Day of, you call me and say, are you hey, where are you? I honestly got, McCall's never late to anything. Um, so she's running a few minutes late. And I'm like, okay, it's raining. And mm-hmm. then a few more minutes went by. And I was like, is something wrong? So I got a little nervous. So to be honest, I was relieved when you had just said, (laughs) oh my goodness, my morning's been so hectic. I forgot. It happens. And you'll understand. It's total mom life. I was mom life. Yeah. I was completely involved with my daughter and just enjoying every moment with it. And just, it slipped my mind. It's all good. Hopefully I carried it and did this podcast justice. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was very easy to do since it was a guest that we've had on before, Mm -hmm. Joe Childers from the Boonshoff Museum of Discovery. Mm -hmm. He is awesome. Yes. And brought it just the same as he did the first time. Yeah. His knowledge of astronomy is phenomenal and quite interesting each time to just talk to him, whether it's on our podcast or off. Um, and I've gone to the Boone Shop several times because yeah. they have a once a quarter, so every three months, mm-hmm. something that's called Super Science Saturday. And it's taking the Boone Shaft and elevating it. Yeah. They have all of their educators there, um, people from the outside that bring in presenta- presentations. And um, they're all pretty much themed. Mm-hmm. And this theme is about the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Yes. And so Joe talks about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I think that it's just so awesome because it's it's also free, mm-hmm. yeah. which is great for families. So, yeah. you know, you get every couple of months, you could just go and enjoy Boonshoft and all the cool things they do on the mm-hmm. Super Science Saturdays. So there is one May 18th that yes. is going to be the one that um, is about the lunar landing. And uh, we put a link on our website as well, whio.com. So you you can kind of keep up with their calendar of events because there's a lot going on mm. this summer that Joe kind of got to talk about as well. It's more than just Super Science Saturdays yes. they have going on. This is just a good way to kick it off and, and get people outside that don't really know much about the Boonshaft to be able to come in and check it out. Uh, while the weather is expected to be somewhat dry mm-hmm. for Super Science Saturday, oh, yeah. um, the Boonshaft is always a great place to go on a rainy day. Right, because there's so much to do inside. Mm-hmm. They have animals. They yeah. have um, our science in the sphere. Yes. That, that's so cool. The planetarium is inside as well. And um, he had mentioned on the floor, they just constantly have people that are doing experiments and exhibits and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So really, no matter what time of day you go, you can enjoy something. So, yeah. And there's like a kid zone. So yeah. if you have little ones that 
like my daughter's two like and a really half, little. <laughs> there are things for them to do and enjoy, which they wouldn't really understand the whole museum aspect right. and have science questions. But there's a place for them to go and enjoy it too. Yeah, it was neat. Um, hopefully, you enjoy this episode. You're gonna. Well, we'll call. We'll get to hear it first, just like <laughs> anyone else's. Uh, but Joe talked a little bit about his childhood and how mm-hmm. he got to where he is today, which I think is great for kids that are interested not only in science, but if you have a child that maybe has curiosity that you don't know how to answer questions, he kind of goes over like what he did. And his dad was actually um, a guest. He was in studio That's watching, amazing. so it was really neat to kind of. You know, watch his dad watch Joe talk so fluently and so well mm-hmm. on on television because this was a vodcast. So yeah. this you could also watch this if you want to get more than the audio. Um, you could watch this on on our WHO streaming app as well. Let's take a listen. I'm meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. We are here with a very special guest as we head into summertime. A lot of people are going to be outside, especially at night. And of course, it is fun to look up at the stars and know what you're actually looking at. We have a return guest to Cloudy with a Chance yeah. of Podcast. Joe Childers is here. He is the uh, educator at Boonshoff Museum of Discovery. And not just that, he's a very talented and educated man. So a little bit about Joe. If you maybe missed our last podcast, go back and listen to it because it was very educational. We're going to kind of take it a step further for what people need to know this year. But Joe not only loved just astronomy as a child, he took it further and decided to keep learning about it. So he actually does have a master's in physics and he is the resident astrophysicist at the museum. And not only do you educate children, but you also educate adults as well. You're doing a little bit of teaching now. Yeah, I'm I'm an adjunct professor for physics at Wright State. And the classes that I have been teaching are specifically the ones for education majors. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good thing that the education majors at Wright State all need to have science classes. Yeah. Uh, they gripe about it, but that's going to make them a whole lot more marketable once they get out there. Oh, it definitely will. And so um, I, uh, I do the physics portion for them. And so really it's, it's baby physics for people who are scared of physics, but it works out great. And we all we have a really good time and, and it's, they learn a lot. Yeah, so a little bit more about yourself that maybe I didn't touch on. Okay. Um, if people didn't listen to our first podcast. Sure. You know, when did you start realizing that you loved astronomy? I know as a child, right? Yeah, well, um, you know, my father, who's in the studio here he watching is, he us, um, I remember a very young age, kindergarten even, in first grade, that he was teaching me the stars mm-hmm. uh, that he had learned in Boy Scouts. And I remember he brought home a book from the library one time. <laughs> And it was randomly about stars. I remember thinking, why do I have a star book? But I read it anyway, because right. he knew I would. And, um, and so we were just learning the star names and everything like that. And I remember we came back from a library presentation that he had taken me to. It was about whales. Okay. And he pointed up at the sky and he says, what's that star? And I said, that's Gemma. And I was in like first or second grade. Mm-hmm. But that was... That's one of the memories that I have. Um, my dad and you know, both of my parents, they never really stifled my curiosity, but they cultivated that. That's I mean, wonderful. He would always be willing to answer questions with me or just talk about random topics. Um, maybe he didn't quite know what he was talking about, but he, <laughs> but, but he could know a, a second grader. Exactly. And the, the important thing <laughs> was that he kept me interested in science. 
That's wonderful. I, that was actually going to be one of my questions was, if someone has a child that is interested in science or space and the stars, mm -hmm. and maybe the parent doesn't know much about it, what can they do to encourage their kids or keep fueling that curiosity? I would assume places like Boonshoft, because mm -hmm. remember, not everyone in the Miami Valley listens to our podcast. Sometimes we have people from across the country. Sure. But there's a version of a Boonshoft, you know? Yeah. There's resources. Um, your local science museum, so like mm -hmm. the Boonshoft, but the Boonshoft in particular has all sorts of different accreditations, yeah. our zoo, our archaeology accreditation, and we have our sister sites, Fort Ancient and Sunwatch, about Native American cultures. Um, I think that the most important thing is to just not treat their science questions as stupid. It's, it's much better to say, I don't know the answer to that, let's go find out together, mm -hmm. than it is to say, that's not an important question. Right. That's a great point. And something easy that everyone can take away. It doesn't yeah. have to be science either. No. If your child is curious about anything, of course, finding the answer together is always a good, mm -hmm. a good thing to do. So talking a little bit more about Boonshoft. Sure. If someone doesn't know what Boon the Boonshoft Museum of Discovery is, sure. let's talk a little bit about what exactly it is for people. Okay. So when you pull up to the museum, you're going to see our little emblem, mm -hmm. which is a box with the lids open, and there's all sorts of different things inside. There's an otter, we have a zoo. Right. There's a picture of Saturn because we have our planetarium. Mm -hmm. um, there's an arrowhead on there because of our archeology span connections. And so then when you come in, the planetarium's on the left, the zoo is upstairs, the, um, the, little, the little kids play area is right in front of you, the science central uh, is down towards the left, mm -hmm. And um, one thing I've noticed as I've traveled to other museums, we, we have a pretty frequent schedule of on-floor activities where, That's you know, it's like every hour or so, yeah. you know, go up to the discovery table. We're going to be talking about earthquakes today. Nice. And, uh, and so it's, it's a very varied experience. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, Astronomy wasn't the only thing I was interested in growing up. It right. just happened to be where I ended up. <laughs> yeah. um, and so there, there are opportunities all over the museum for a wide variety of interests. We even have a place where you can go and just watch birds and That's bird awesome. books and binoculars. and Yeah, a nice, safe, controlled environment. And exactly. Just, no matter what the weather is, you could take your child there and have yeah. a good time. Yes, exactly. Now, another uh, thing that's really cool that Boonshop does is uh, the Super Science Saturdays. Yes. And meteorologist McCall Rideggs, she has been a part of them. Mm -hmm. um, she will be one that's coming up, actually, May okay. 11th. Yes. So let's talk about that one. Well, first of all, let's just say, what exactly are these Super Science Saturdays? Because okay. they sound really cool. Okay, Super Science Saturdays are quarterly days on Saturday, of all things, right. where we have free admission, we have a theme, and we have all sorts of activities all across, the, all across the museum around that theme. So the upcoming one is on May 18th, I believe it is. Oh, yes. And it is, the theme is moon mission. So ah. it's kicking off our celebration all summer of the Apollo 11th, 50th anniversary. That is awesome. So uh, just if you can give us a, like a sneak peek, what would be some of the activities? Okay. We're going to be doing activities with rocketry. Cool. So um, I'm not sure. They said it was going to be. Uh, they said it was going to be inside. So it's probably mm -hmm. not like combustion rocketry. Right. We're not going to be launching but, rockets know. with the kids or anything <laughs> like that. But um, but balloon rockets we've done plenty yeah. of times inside, and it, it illustrates Newton's third law. Mm -hmm. And um, so rocketry, I know there is um, 
coming down the pike. I think I believe later in the summer, mm -hmm. but we're actually going to be getting an exhibit which has one or two of the actual consoles from Mission Control. Wow! During the Apollo missions. That's neat. That that is going to be pretty cool. Um, so, Moon mission. It's going to be. Uh, focused on the moon stuff, and the rocket one is one that I know about. Right. And of course, we'll be having our planetarium shows yeah. in the dome, which uh, we'll be talking a lot about the moon during those shows. That's awesome, and people love to learn about that. And it, it's not just for your kids. I mean, no. it's neat to learn about these things as adults as well. Yeah. It, when when I have an audience for my live planetarium show, and it's caretakers and little itty bitties. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to make a choice. Um, so I'll talk mainly to the little itty bitties. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, look at the sun. It moves across the sky. Have you ever sat on a, twi a spinning chair? Right. You know, you can pretend that the room's moving, not you. And that's why the sun moves across the sky. But I also slip in things yeah. for the adults. You know, it's so like I can, I can say you use the Big Dipper to find the North Star. But then I can also say and the angle between the horizon and the North Star is your latitude. Yeah. And that's for the littles, but, right, but it keeps the other the adults, adults are like, engaged. Oh, yeah. fun fact that I could take away. Yeah, that's exactly. So a little bit about summertime. Now that we're getting close to it, and we, we, well, we had a meteor shower drop for a while in the beginning yes. of the year where there's just nothing to look at. Mm -hmm. um, and then April, that was our first meteor shower of the year. Um, yeah, late April, late early April. May. Yeah, the, I think the there's one Aquarius. around the first of the yes. year, but like in terms of that people would actually want to get outside. Right. Um, and yes, the May 5th and 6th was the peak for the Ada Aqu Aquarius. Aquarius yes. Okay. Um, I actually had someone write on my Facebook page and said, I'm pretty sure I saw a shooting star last night. Great. Uh, Kirsty, it blew up in the sky and, and it was clear and, and I'm pretty sure that was it. Was it it? And I was like, yes, there's, I mean, there's a meteor shower that's active right now. I have a Facebook friend from Indonesia. Oh. And he, the farther south you go for that particular meteor shower, the right, more you'll see. Yes. I mean, he had it pretty much at the zenith. Oh, and neat. he saw tons of them and he saw a, a fireball that had a persistent colored trail. And he's like, Joe, is that what was going on? What was going on? And I'm like, well, that was the Ada Aquarium meteor shower. Right, that's amazing. Shop Jermaine Ford of Beaver Creek, minutes away with an experience miles above, delivering the right car, the right price, the right way to the Miami Valley and beyond. Take advantage of our low-priced tire guarantee and extended service hours on Saturday. With same-day appointments and mobile service options available, our goal is to fix your car right the first time, on time, every time. Just off of 35 east of 675, Jermaine Ford of Beaver Creek. Um, fireballs and meteors. I think people get a little confused sure. about what they're seeing. So that's a perfect segue. Um, you know, meteor shower, you think of a shooting star. Uh, but I know the AMS keeps track of fireball reports. Yes. And we, we show a lot on Daybreak or really any, any time on Channel 7 um, when we get good fireball video. Mm -hmm. Because it is truly amazing. Yes. Um, but if I'm at home and I see something and I can't really differentiate, well, was that a fireball? Should I report it? Or was it a meteor? Okay. Um, what, what is that thing that takes that classification away from a meteor and up into fireball status? Um, well... Technically, it's just the brightness. Right. But what's going on, there's, there's pretty much three stages to it. So okay. the little shooting star that yep. you see is a piece of dust, and it's burning up and disintegrating very rapidly as it moves through the Earth's atmosphere. Right. Um, and its speed is enough that even with the atmosphere so thin, hundreds of miles up, that's where it happens. Mm -hmm. The next larger size of meteorite is going to 
persist long enough that the outer layers disintegrate off first. And so okay. that was the persistent trail that I was telling my friend about. Right. Um, if it's large enough, then not only will you get that trail, but at some point the internal heat mm -hmm. from the friction moving through the atmosphere is just going to make it shatter. Okay. And that is that would be the explosion, and I think that's what's called a bolide. Yes, because some people can mm -hmm. actually hear an yes. explosion. Yes, exactly. Now, it is a couple hundred miles up. Right. So when you see one, there's a lot of other people around you seeing, seeing it, it too. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and in fact, uh, one of the flow charts that we have for de determining when somebody brings in a meteorite, which is almost always a meteor wrong. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Did you did you see it fall? Right. Is usually the key that it was not a meteorite. Yeah. Um, but one thing that you need to keep in mind is that a fireball is almost always going to be very fast. Okay. I have seen maybe four mm -hmm. fireballs in my life, and it's always out of the corner of my eye, and by the time I look over it, it's almost right. gone. So if you're seeing something that is persistent that lasts more than a second, it wasn't. Right. Um, and Yet they do, they do happen. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, the more outside you are, and the more you know, alert you are to those things. But there have been times when I've just been driving along, and psst, there it goes. Wow. And it's, it's just really cool. It is it's, so cool. You're in the right spot at the right time. Yeah, it definitely makes you feel very lucky. Um, we caught a fireball on our Troy weather camera. Ooh. That was so cool. We have it online. Um, I think you just Google Troy, Ohio fireball. Sure. And it should show up. Um, but I remember that night we got all these reports of people that were like, something just blew up in the sky. What was it? What was it? Yeah. Pretty sure a meteor shower was peaking and it was one that could produce fireballs. And so I do. I remember I pulled back the camera the time lapse all the way back a couple of hours and then just sat there and watched the video and it was like pew, and it was so neat. Mm -hmm. I've seen one in real life and then one off of one of our weather cameras. Yeah, but it's I've, definitely I've been lucky. Unique. I've yeah. definitely been lucky to have seen as many as I've seen. Very cool. So summer, back to summertime. Sure. People can be pretty lucky to see a lot of things in the summer sky. Yes. Um, and you are our resident expert as well. Oh, okay. so uh, I'll we're gonna, that. Yeah, we're going to need you to help uh, <laughs> break it down. Um, of course, we don't always get lucky with the meteor showers that, you know, are peaking when we have a new moon or you don't have to worry about moonlight. This summer, the big meteor shower you had mentioned to me before. The Perseids. Yeah. Um, a 93% full moon on that peak night. Oh. And so just like you will see more meteors if you go out in the country than if you stay in the city because of the city lights, mm -hmm. well, the moon has the same light pollution effect. Uh, and so the Perseids are prolific enough right. that you're not going to see none. Yeah. But it's just annoying that the, that the moon is so bright. Right. Your eyes can never really adapt. Okay. Still worth people's time, though, to oh, look. Oh, definitely. some of the brightest ones will show through. You'll, you'll still... Oh, yes. It's oh, still yes. worth your time. When is that peak? Uh, that peaks around August 12th or okay. 13th. And, in fact, that's two days after my birthday. Wonderful. And we would always camp out in our backyard for Aww. the Perseids. So that was another way to have me have a childhood connection to astronomy. Right, and to kind of encourage that yeah. curiosity. So the best way to look for meteors, whether it is a meteor shower or just the random ones that happen every day, mm -hmm. is to look in the morning. Okay. Like right before the, before the sky begins to brighten. Right. The, you know, 3 to 4 o'clock or 2 to 3 o'clock, depending on the summertime, you know, mm -hmm. how early twilight starts. And that is because um, most of the speed that comes to cause the meteorite to burn up is Earth's orbital motion around mm -hmm. the sun and, of course, the, the bits, P 
piece, or its orbital motion too. And just like how you get more bugs on your front windshield than on your back windshield. Right. If I'm on this spot and the Earth is moving this way, mm -hmm. well, it's in the morning when my spot on the Earth is oh. facing in the direction that the Earth is moving. That so makes that, sense. That is why. That is why you have meteorites. You see shooting stars much more frequently in the morning. That is something I never knew, actually. I just learned something, and everyone else probably did as well. <laughs> um, that's great to know. So early morning hours. Yes. Uh, of course, you want to get away from as much light as you can. Right. Thank you, Moon, yeah. for the Perseid. <laughs> um, and the other thing that is not, the two other things that are not readily appreciated, it's a great group activity, mm -hmm. particularly when you, one, you know, three of you see a really nice one and one person got left out. Well, they, you, can, you can work with that for you know, teasing him for another five or ten minutes until <laughs> right. he's the one that sees one that you didn't. Yes. Um, so it's, you know, stargazing is not really thought of as a group activity, mm -hmm. but when you have things happening in the sky, then it does become one. The other thing is, um, it's summertime, it's warm, you're camping, say, yeah. but you don't realize that if you're lying on the ground for a long time looking at the stars, that's just going to suck the heat right out of you. Yeah, that's true. So bean bags or folding lawn chairs, just something to get you up off of the ground will just help you enjoy yeah. the meteor shower a whole lot longer. Yes, no matter what time of year, that is a great tip to have. What about some planets? I get a lot of photos of people that don't realize that you know, Venus and Mars, um, even Jupiter, you get a good chunk of the year where mm -hmm. they're either visible in the morning or you can have your evening planet like Mars is, mm -hmm. is good. We talked about Mars last time, yeah. like that reddish tint. Yes. Um, so in the summertime, I guess, what are, what are the two easy planets that people could look for? The two easiest planets are going to be Jupiter and Saturn. Um, in early June mm -hmm. will be when Jupiter rises when the sun sets and so is visible all night long and That's about a month awesome. later for Saturn. Uh, so they're going to be visible in the evenings Perfect. All, um, all summer long and not in the evenings in the west setting soon after the sun does but in the east so they're all visible right, all night long. Right, truly go through the entire night sky. Yeah, um, Jupiter and Saturn so as you look south you'll be seeing Jupiter low Mm -hmm. in the, and then Saturn is to its left and, okay. and fainter, but neither one of them twinkles. That's one way that you can tell planets from stars. Yes. But they're going to get closer and closer. Now, it's every 30 years or so that Jupiter catches up to Saturn. Really? And that next is happening in December of 2020. Cool. So this summer, and particularly because Saturn is near the uh, teapot asterism, the little pattern of bright stars there and Jupiter is in the middle of Scorpio which mm -hmm. is also bright stars yeah you'll be able to watch them get closer closer and closer you know from week to week yeah. if you keep track of that yes and um, and so that would be uh, pretty exciting it'll be around November or so okay. when they when they move behind the Sun right and then they will appear again in the mornings in, say, February or so, and that whole summer you'll be able to get them, see them closer and closer. That is really awesome. Yeah. It's, so that's a fun nighttime activity that, that people can take part yeah. in. Yeah. Our vantage point for looking at the planets is changing as we orbit the sun, mm -hmm. and their position is changing as they orbit the sun. Uh, so, for instance, it's unlucky this summer for Mars and Venus. Mars is disappearing oh. into the sunset yeah. and passing behind the sun, and Venus is also passing behind the sun. But late June will be a chance to see Mercury oh, and nice. conveniently in the evening hours. Okay.
So Jupiter, Saturn, and Mercury are, are, are the big ones for this, this summer. This summer, those yeah. are your three planets take note of. Um, that's good to know. And again, yes, because Venus can be great if it's in our view. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> Unfortunately, true. that doesn't always get to happen. Um, let's talk a little bit about the total solar eclipse. Okay. Kind of wrap up with that. Um, Joe and I got to work together when we had the solar, the great American eclipse. Mm -hmm. That was amazing. Um, and we were just partial here in mm -hmm. the Dayton area, but it was, everyone was talking about it. Mm -hmm. Everyone needed glasses. Um, people were traveling to get into the path of totality, sure. but April 8th, 2024, Dayton is mm -hmm. in the main event. Yes. What does that mean when we, when we say like, we're even more excited for 2024? Okay. So, um, the partial eclipse was, as you said, very Amazing. cool, and yes. everybody got excited about it. Yeah. But the difference between a partial eclipse and a total eclipse is like for your 16th birthday, be, being given a Ford Festiva <laughs> versus being given a BMW. Right. It is <laughs> so much better. <laughs> uh, and that is why people don't fly all over the world to see every partial eclipse. Right. They fly all over the world to see the total eclipses. Oh, yes. The, um, the beauty of the total eclipse comes from the corona, which mm -hmm. is the outer atmosphere of the sun, not the part that's so bright that we can't look at without right, the glasses. Right, it would yeah, damage our eyes. But it's lost in the glare of that photosphere. Mm -hmm. When the moon blocks it, then you can see the corona. And the astrophotographers are getting closer and closer but everyone who has seen one of those says that no picture can compare. Oh. And they will have, you know, they'll have everything prepared. They say, oh, I'm going to take these pictures. I got this telescope all set up. And then it happens and they're like, uh. <laughs> and they forget to do all of their stuff. Right. It it's so, so mesmerizing. Awesome. So I am really hoping that it'll be clear here in I April. Know. That's your job. Guys, <laughs> right. Nothing would be worse than being in the path of totality. And we have a rainy forecast yep. and not just scattered storms but like overcast I rain. bet people who rent plane rides are going to be busy that day if it, especially <sighs> if it is cloudy they're definitely going to be busy because they just got to get above that cloud deck exactly. and they get to have a great show mm -hmm. um, so April 8th 2024 I know it seems crazy that we're talking about this far away but it is worth it Oh. You want to mark your calendar and just and and know that this is going to be huge for this area for the mm -hmm. Miami Valley. You're going to get a ton of people coming in mm -hmm. just to be a yeah. part of it too. Yeah, we're one of the larger cities. It right. misses Cincinnati and Columbus. Yep. So I believe Cleveland gets it, mm -hmm. but for our area, we're we're it. This is it. Yeah. yeah, it's going to go through like Midwestern Kentucky. Yeah. Which there isn't. I don't think Louisville gets it. No, Louisville doesn't Chicago, get it. Louisville, yeah. yeah. Mm. So for people then that were maybe really nervous last time around because we kept stressing, you need to wear glasses, you cannot just look at this, mm -hmm. or pinhole projection, anything that'd give you that secondary view, um, why can they skip the glasses this time of year, or how should they properly watch it? Okay, to say that they can skip the glasses really. is not, it's yeah, not right. No. Whenever it's the partial eclipse, when there's part of that very bright part of the sun, you must have the glasses yes. on. Yes, you only get and a little window. You Not only that, but... Even just a little bit of accidental sun exposure is going to permanently damage your eyesight. So this is not something to kid about. Right. Um, but during totality, when the moon is completely covering mm -hmm. the very bright photosphere, then you won't see anything through the glasses because the corona is not bright enough to shine through. That's true. <laughs> That's true, yeah. But, yeah, if you're watching with groups mm -hmm. uh, in particular, um, then 
there will be people there that will say, okay, glass is off now. Right. Yeah. So have a guide. That would be a great idea. Um, but just know, yeah, it is, it's definitely going to be really neat. Uh, you probably want to start looking for glasses now. That was such a scramble for people to get yeah. them with the last one. I have so many people who said, I'm saving my glasses yeah. from last time. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they find out I'm an astronomer and they say, hey, solar eclipse, I've got my glasses still. <laughs> You're like, okay, Great. good. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, so, Joe, anything else about the summertime or boon shop that you want to talk about real quick? Um, we are doing astronomy summer camps for the first nice. time. Nice. That is So we have, a, we have a week-long mission to the moon mm -hmm. uh, where the kids can devise their own spaceship and mission to go to the moon. Uh, and we also have a day astronomy camp where it's a similar thing. They're going to design a mission to go explore something nearby, like one of the nearby stars or maybe a planet or a moon. That's awesome. And those registrations are open. And uh, I talked about the Apollo console that's coming. Mm -hmm. And over the summer through the month of June, you can watch our new exhibit about Ice Age animals nice. in our main lobby be installed. That's going to be really neat. So, Joe, always great to speak with you. Same here. Again, we've done a podcast before. He talks about any, I mean, even though it was, I think, last summer maybe that we had you on. I don't recall, but I yeah, I think so. I don't remember exactly, yeah. but go back, listen to the podcast because, um, you know, he talks a lot more about tips for viewing meteor showers and a little bit more about planets and things of that nature as well. So always great to have you with us for Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. And again, you can listen to us anytime on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, whio.com. And because this is a video cast or a vodcast, you can, of course, watch us on your streaming devices like Roku or Apple TV. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.